Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen today. We're going to talk about Don't Let Them Scare You. And I want to start off our study in Matthew, the 10th chapter. At this time, Jesus calls 12 of his disciples to him. This is when he names them apostles, and he's going to send them out to teach, not to the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see that in Matthew 10, 1 through 6. He's going to send them out without them having backup provisions. Uh, they're not going to take uh, gold or silver with them or brass in their purses. They're not going to take script. They're not going to take extra clothing, shoes. Uh, the workman's worthy of his meat, Matthew 10, 10. So he's sending them out vulnerable and means of a financial area where they're dependent upon those that teach. I say all that. Because I want you to imagine for, for yourself for a moment. This isn't, you know, hey, Simon, hey, Andrew, hey, James, hey, John, hey, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, etc. I'm going to send you out to teach. And if you fall on hard times, text me and, and, and text your, your family or send an email to your family. And if you guys need money, we'll Western Union it to you. Or we'll, there's financial apps today that we have all these... Listen, these guys are being sent out without contact back home, without means to immediate recover, and they're being sent out preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're being sent out uh, where, where they're being told, if you go into a, a city or a house and you're not received, shake off the dust from your feet, move on. This isn't... I'm sending you to faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to take care of you when you get there. Now, that's the setting, okay? If you can wrap your mind around the vulnerability that is there, because those of us who live in this modern time, we haven't experienced much of this level of vulnerability. Uh, those of us who are faithful Christians, we know our brethren would not put us in positions where we would starve or or be without shelter, etc. And, and even if we were traveling with the gospel, you'd be able to reach out to people in ways that these guys were not. So with that setting in mind, Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This, this is the starting point here, right? You are being sent out as prey among the predators. Then he tells them, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you that hour what you shall speak. For it is not he, ye that speak, but the Spirit of the Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. There goes trusting in your family. The father, the child, the children shall rise against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. Verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over all the cities of Israel to the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that his master and the servant is Lord. 
If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Now notice this command. Fear them not, therefore. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. I want you to think about that. Don't be afraid of them. But wait a minute. You're being sent out as sheep among wolves. They're going to deliver you up. You can't trust anybody. Don't be afraid. That's a challenging statement, right? I mean, for us today to be talking about fear, I don't think that the majority of you listening to this podcast, and I dare not speak of everybody because there's different places in this world where there is certainly heavy persecution. I'm not downplaying that at all. I know there are places where Christians are being persecuted. But from the demographics that listen to this podcast as a whole, and I know it goes out to the whole world, and you might be listening to this, and you might say, this doesn't apply to, apply to me. Just, just understand, I'm talking... For example, a lot of people that listen to this podcast live in the United States of America. We do not face anywhere near the threat of what the disciples of Jesus, what the apostles were being told about here. At most, we face people verbally abusing us, the possibility of job loss, the possibility of brethren turning their backs on us, family members, but all of that we still have safety nets that the apostles did not. He tells them in Matthew 10, 27 and following, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So listen, it's not, go sneak around. Yes, if they're persecuting you in this city, flee to another. But when you get to that other, preach it from the housetops. Now notice this command. Verse 28. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Folks, wow, that's powerful. Well, what happens if fear overtook the apostles? In verse 32 and 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. I want you to think about that as we enter into our study today. The apostles were sent out in very difficult times to a very difficult audience, preaching a very unpopular message. And they were told multiple times by Jesus, do not fear those whom you're being sent to. Peter, when he wrote his First epistle later in time in First Peter three fourteen through seventeen. We're studying through this on Sundays. It says, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Again, be not afraid of their terror. The point is, look forward. In, in Luke, Luke 12, 4 and 5, I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body after that. They have no more they can do. So that puts a little bit different language than what we read back in Matthew 10. 
He says, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear him, which after he hath killed hath power to cast you into hell. Yeah, I say unto you, fear him. Oh, so when we think about what man can do to us, at the absolute worst, death, physical death. Jesus takes this next level. Compare man to God. God who is able to do much more beyond death of the physical body. How about what is done to the soul? Hmm. These are things to think about, folks. We live in a time where who knows what's going to happen next. Um, when when uh, we were in the spring and summer of 2020, I saw something that I, I just never imagined seeing in America. Everything shut down. And even people that proclaim to be Christians, and this was not so with anybody that I'm in fellowship with, it certainly was not so uh, here locally with the church in El Paso, Texas, but a lot of people that profess to be Christians shut down for fear of what could happen to the body, for fear of what the government might do if you assembled against their rules and regulations. Fear is powerful. Fear had people walk away from their commitment to the Lord. Now, there's balance in everything. You know, if you've, if you've listened to me teach for a period of time, you know I, I love to focus on the balance because people run to extremes, right? Does this mean there's never to be a fear of men for any reason? Well, no. You know, government, for example, we ought not fear them when they are telling us to disobey God. But when it comes to doing evil, you ought to have a fear of the consequences that come about because of the evil you might do. And really twofold, I'm, I'm going to take you to Romans 13 um, here, and, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. But I want you to consider this also. If we fear not man because man can only put us to death in the flesh, and follow this thought here. That's good. But what about if we are breaking the law not because the law is unrighteous or would have us walk away from God, but say like a, an evildoer, like you know Peter was making the point when we were looking there in 1 Peter 3.14, you know, if we're going to suffer, uh, if we're going to suffer for righteousness' sake, be happy, don't be afraid of the terror, don't be troubled. But what about if you do something that is against both man's law and God's law? Now you have to fear what's going to happen to the body and what's going to happen to the soul. With that in mind, um, you know, why, why, don't, why don't Christians do things like speed or, or you know, because when we look at the, at the Bible, course, the Bible doesn't regulate speed limits on streets, right? But Christians obey these laws that do not put us at odds against God. In Romans 13, 1 through 7, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God, meaning God has appointed that man be governed by civil authority. Continue. Who should therefore resist the power, and that word power means authority, Resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, 
but to evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? So, hey, have fear of the authority that they have. Who's that authority from? For God to do what? Notice, to do that which is good, that thou shalt praise the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Now notice God's instruction. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for there are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore all their duties, tribute to whom tri tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Look, pay your taxes, because civil authority is empowered to punish evildoers. That's God's role in that, okay? All, we may get upset at all the social laws and restrictions and everything that go on in civil government, and rightly so. But civil government exists to punish the murderer, to punish the thief, so forth and so on. Be afraid of being the murderer. Be afraid of being the thief because you're going to face punishment at the hands of men and then of God. And, and, and there are other areas where we need to be concerned and, and afraid. You know, for example, servants in Ephesians 6 and verse 5 it was said to them, be obedient to those that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Why? Because the person who was a slave, if they were to violate their law of their master, they were going to face physical consequences. So the Lord's instruction here is about, hey, take care of yourself. Don't do something that's going to bring upon you unnecessary infliction unnecessary suffering, so forth and so on. We have enough of that as Christians for standing for righteousness. Don't do evil. That's going to get you in a twofold uh, point of trouble. It's not wrong to understand that there are consequences for actions and to fear those consequences. In Proverbs 20, verse 2, it says, The fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion. Whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. However, here's... Coming back to the main point that we were talking about, Matthew 10 and 1 Peter 3 and Luke 12. However, we cannot allow ourselves to fear what man's going to do to us to outweigh the consequences of what would come about if we were to turn our backs on our Lord's will. And Acts 5, and, and you know, when you look contextually um, back in Acts 4, uh, the apostles were arrested and, and threatened and so forth and so on, told not to preach anymore in the name of Christ. Acts 4.20 said, We cannot speak the things, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So they went about and they continued to teach the word of God against their civil authorities among the Jews, even they were religious and civil authorities at the same time. So they're rearrested in Acts 5. In Acts 5.27-32, through when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be the prince and a Savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witness of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost whom God has given them to obey Him. So the apostles made a very clear declaration. 
and gives us kind of commentary on understanding the balance. Obey civil authorities unless those civil authorities would have us to disobey God because he's whom we fear the greatest. So with all of these things in mind, let's talk about some things regarding the fear of man. There's a great passage, and Solomon penned this. Solomon was a king, right? He had wisdom above everybody on earth prior to Jesus. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of a man bringeth, fear of man bringeth a snare, a trap. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth, it's a trap. So think to times where man has been presented with challenges by other people in society, and they were afraid of the physical consequences. And because of such, they turned their back on God. You know, in John chapter 9 is an example. Uh, just starting at verse 1, Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? They was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were for him had seen him that he was blind, said, Is that not he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed mine eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I wash and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that opened thy eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now listen, I'm going to stop here for a minute. Why do you think his parents said this? Do you think they said this because they were ignorant? Well, no. We're using this in this lesson for a reason. Don't let them scare you. Notice why they said, we don't know. He's of age. Ask him. The text says, these words spake his parents. 
because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogues. Look at that. I, I'm amazed as a parent. Uh, as a parent, I have uh, two children that have uh, physical problems. My oldest son is a type 1 diabetic. My daughter is uh, on the autism spectrum and has been diagnosed as mentally retarded. No way am I going to step back and say, I don't know what happened if somebody were to heal my children. No way. I'm thankful, doctor, whoever it is. I'm amazed. Like these are things that my children have been afflicted with during their life. I'm amazed that these things have come about. More than their loyalty to God, more than the loyalty to the great physician, Jesus Christ, that healed their son, they feared man. Fear does things to people. It prevents true seeking. In John 7, 11 through 13, the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning for some said he is a good man. Others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit, no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. How sad. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came into this world to take away the sins of mankind, to give the hope of eternal life unto those who truly need it, want it, desire it. People are more afraid of the Jews than they are of the consequences of their transgressions. Back during the time of the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 4.29 but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with thy heart, all thy heart, and with all thy soul. Well, listen, when you fear man, you don't seek him. For the fear of man does crazy things to otherwise genuinely good people. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, talk about Abraham, verses 11 through 13, it came to pass when he has come near and to Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians see thee, shall say thee what they shall say. This is, I'm sorry. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Again, look at what fear is doing. I, I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You know what? Me as the man that I am, you're going to come take my wife, you're going to have to kill me. Well, later, when Abraham meets Abimelech, the king of Gerar, Abraham, Genesis chapter 20, verse 11 and 12, said, Because I thought, surely the fear of the Lord is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet, indeed, she is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. She became my wife. He lied to Abimelech. Abimelech wanted to know why. <laughs> the why is simple. Fear. Fear. You remember Peter, who we read from his words in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 17, who taught, be not afraid of their terror. Well, Peter understands fear because he experienced it. 
and denied Jesus three times because of it. When you read the context of Matthew chapter 26 from the time that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and tells Peter, Matthew 26, uh, 26 and, and following that, you know, you're going to deny me three times. I mean, in that context, you know, Peter had a moment of boldness where he's going to stand up with a sword and he, you know, he's going to strike the servant of the high priest and, and uh, cut off his ear, Matthew 26, 47 through 56. But then later, in Matthew 26, 69 through 75, Peter sat, after Jesus is taken, arrested, uh, Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee, but in an eye before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And he's gone out into the porch, and other maids saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow also was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath. You hear that? He denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Listen, this is the Peter who was fishing. Luke 5, 1 through 11 was fishing when Jesus called him to go and preach the gospel. This is the Peter that left all and followed Jesus. This is the Peter that smote off an ear for Jesus, took out his sword and was ready to fight. Look at what fear does. Listen, don't sit back and say, oh, Peter, you're a coward. Don't sit back and say, you know, you might, you might look at Peter here in Matthew 26, 69 through 75 and say he was a coward, he was scared. But he has other times prior to this where he had great conviction. I mean, a lot of people, if they were told what Jesus taught in Matthew 10, 1 through 33 to the apostles, you're going to be as, as, as sheep among the wolves and don't take with you extra supply. A lot of people are jetting. I mean, you see it Luke 9, 57 through 62, where let me go home and tell uh, my, my people at home goodbye. Let me go and bury uh, my father. The fear of not having a place to lay your head. Th th Peter is not a coward. He is not a man that cowers to challenges. He's faced plenty, and he went into the preaching of the gospel knowing what was in front of him because Jesus taught him. <sighs> Look at what fear did to this man. This man was more brave than most men I've ever met. Look what fear did to him. Don't just sit back and say, how could he deny Jesus? What would you have done? You don't really know, do you? I mean, they're about to kill our Lord and Savior, whom Peter had his faith in to some degree. I say that because when you look at the life of the apostles, they had little faith. Some doubted even after they seen Jesus uh, buried and, and risen on the third day. You, you see that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. You see that in Mark 16, verse 14. But this Peter, he wasn't just some dude who just casually went about and at the first sign of trouble fled for the mountains. He'd been through plenty with our Lord. 
Look at what fear did to him. No matter how bold you think you are, you need to understand how dangerous fear is. Peter again later, after he's done some, some, some great things, that, listen, what we're about to read, I want you to keep this in mind with what we're about to read. The man Peter that's about to do something out of fear again is the same Peter who stood up with the apostles and preached in Acts 2. The same Peter that went with John in Acts 3 and healed the, the man that got arrested with the apostles in chapter 4 and chapter 5. And Peter is the one that lifted up his voice with the others, yes, in concert, but the main spokesman. Well, I to obey God rather than men. This man who rejoiced at being beaten for the name of Christ. Acts 5 and verse 41. And went and continued to preach the gospel, even though he had been arrested and beaten and was definitely targeted, still went daily in the temple and every house and ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Don't go and call him a coward. But notice what he does in Galatians 2, 11 through 14 as a cautionary tale about the power of fear. When Peter was come to Antioch, Paul writing this said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I sent to Peter before them all. If thou being a Jew lives after the man of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Peter, fearing them which were of the circumcision, feared the Jews did not associate with his Gentile brethren, withdrew himself, led Barnabas astray. Again, don't just sit back and say, how cowardice, because he has many works that are written for us wherein he showed absolute bravery. He's arrested in Acts 12. James is beheaded. Peter's cast into prison and is facing the same type of punishment. He didn't deny Jesus. He didn't run away at these times. I say that to say this. Look at what fear does to brave men. Folks, salvation is for the obedient. But fear caused Peter to be disobedient. Now we know and like we're talking about, we've talked about in our studies of 1 Peter, and we're seeing great things. Peter went on to repent, to be not only a strong apostle and a presence for the church in the future, but an elder, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. But obedience is necessary for anybody to be saved. Hebrews 5, 8, 9, though he were son, speaking contextually of Jesus, yet he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Salvation is to the obedient. Hear this carefully. Fear has brought about disobedience in parents, 
who saw their child healed, people that wanted to find Jesus but didn't want to talk about him publicly, Abraham, the father of the faith, so to speak, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Peter, a strong and brave man at times. What do you think fear could do to you? What do you do about it? Oh, when you get afraid. I want to come back to that principle of Luke 12, 4 and 5, where, you know, I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more than they can do. Come back to this principle. I'll forewarn you to fear. When you start allowing the idea that man is going to do something for you, and you need to walk away from the fear of men. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Now, why, why, why am I using that verse? Because remember what fear is? It's a snare. It's a trap. Fearing the Lord is the way away from that. In 1 Peter 1, 17, if you call on the Father... Who, without respect of person, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. 1 Peter 2.17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Fear and obedience, they do tie together both in the Old and the New Testaments. In Deuteronomy 13 and verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not my presence only, but now much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The fear of God is not like unto that of the fear of man. It's not to our hurt. It's to our good. Proverbs 14.16, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. Now listen, the fear we're to have is not supposed to be at God because of who He is, at our Savior because of who He is. It's about, it's about the fear of judgment for sin. And Psalm 119, 120, My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. <laughs> it's like this. I don't know about you, but I don't like heights very much. And once a year, sometimes more, I have to go up on my roof and inspect the roof and see how things are going. I've had years and years of roof trouble on, on my house, and I hate heights. And I mean, I, I have a two-story house. So as I climb up that ladder and I get higher and higher, my knees start to shake a little bit. As soon as I can get my feet over this, this wall that I have to climb over to get onto the, to the roof... Uh, I, 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 t I have a sigh of relief, and I walk away from the edge. The fear of heights isn't so much of the height itself. It, what happens if you fall? And my fear isn't even so much of death. My fear is being crippled the rest of my life, falling and breaking my spine or something like that. The consequences of the fall. Not the height itself, right? Same thing with God. When we, when, when we look at Psalm 119, 120, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, I'm afraid of thy judgments. Remember that. In Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. 
for our God is a consuming fire. I want you to think about that phrase, godly fear. Godly fear is not the same as carnal fear. Carnal fear is about what happens to our flesh. Falling off the ladder and being crippled. That's, that's a carnal fear. Well, what if the Lord told me I need to climb 5,000 feet to the top of a mountain to serve Him? I fear the fall and the consequences of that fall. But I know what the consequences of disobedience are. So I'm climbing, buddy. I'm climbing. I'm going. I'm holding on tight, but I'm going. Because the consequences of the fall are not the same as the consequences of the fall from God. They're not eternal. They may be long. They may be suffering on earth, but they're not eternal. Our fear can't be just a physical death has to be what comes thereafter. When we talk about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2, and, and I, I want to work my way into a balancing point here, okay? I want, I want you to think about it. I want you to think hard about it. In Hebrews 2, 9 through 18, it says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste of death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as thou art the for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, now notice, 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 and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Listen to that again. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Continuing. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." Jesus died in part to deliver them who were in bondage. In bondage, how or why? In bondage because of the fear of death. Listen, I need you to hear this. I talk about this with my brethren here in El Paso in classes very, very often over the years. You can't just run to God because you're afraid of hell. That, that's not love. That's not love. And, and when we're talking about fear, we need to be able to think about love and what love does in bringing us away from carnal fear. It's not love to say, God, I love you because I don't want to go to hell. That's not loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul. That's like a young man saying, I want to get married. Why? Because I'm afraid of being alone. And so imagine he meets this, this, this woman and he says to her, 
I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Uh, you're, you're, you're everything on earth to me, blah, 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 blah. And then if he just says, well, actually, not really. I'll just marry the first person to say yes because I'm just so afraid of being alone. That's not love, is it? Well, what do you think you're saying to God? If the only reason you profess love is out of fear. God's love and our love for God should bring us away from that type of carnal fear. Now, that may be the initial, I'm lost, I want to be saved. Maybe the initial thought. But as you grow and as you learn and as you fall more and more in love with the Lord, 1 John chapter 4, 14 through 19 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God, and we know him and believe the love that God had to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want you to hear this. And, and, and certainly, don't let them scare you. You know, I needed to work this in because you need to hear this. If you keep reading in 1 John, the commandments of God are not grievous, 1 John 5, 2, and 3, meaning they're not burdensome. When we serve our Lord, when we serve our Heavenly Father, when we're in the communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, fear diminishes. Yes, I'm not going to sin because I know God's going to judge me for that. But eventually... That needs to turn into, I'm not going to sin because I don't want to disappoint my father. Because when I look at the Bible, when I look at Genesis chapter 6, for example, and I see that God destroyed mankind because the thought of that heart was only evil continually, that stands out. But what stands out more is that it grieved God. I love him. I'm not going to do this because it's going to hurt him. Let's come back to the marriage principle. Because Jesus likens the relationship to him and the church to marriage in Ephesians 5, 23 through 33. Let's think about lines of marriage. Young, young man marries a young woman because he loves her, not just because he doesn't want to be alone. And he's faithful to her. Yeah, he doesn't want to face a divorce if they have children, doesn't want to have to pay child support. If he does or doesn't, doesn't want to, have to pay alimony, doesn't want to lose possessions, all these things. But that's not why he's faithful to her. He's faithful to her because he doesn't want to hurt her. Why? Because he loves her. How much the more should that be the case with God? Fear is a good starting point. In Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. I mean, it's a good starting point. But it, it, it can't be our daily mindset towards our Creator. In Psalm 119, 165, under the old law, the law of bondage, the law that kept them in bondage because of fear, even then, the psalmist says, great peace 
have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's Psalm 119, 165. Jesus, talking to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27, as he's approaching, he's in the last week of his physical life here on earth, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Folks, you may have sought the Lord because you didn't want to go to hell, but that can't be why you continue in your relationship with Him. Those who are in obedience to the Lord don't have to fear His wrath. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 7-10, through 10, um, it says, So that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. From from you sounding out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith of God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from wrath to come. As a faithful Christian... I'm not fearing the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God, Colossians 3, 6, says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. If I'm obedient, I don't have to fear that. And if you think fear is the absolute, the reason why we, 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 we grow into love is because fear by itself is not going to bring about continued obedience. I want you to think about this. Back in 2 Kings 17, and it's a text that that's almost seems contradictive uh, because the wording is fascinating. In 2 Kings 17, 28 and 29, it says, One of the priests, when they had carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord, howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. So wait a minute. Priest says... Fear the Lord. And what do they do with that? Make idols. Same, same chapter, 2 Kings 17, down to verse 33 through 41. It says, they feared the Lord. Now you hear that. They feared the Lord, okay? Hear that. And the next statement, and serve their own gods. What fear do for them? Notice as the text goes on. After the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence, unto this day they do, after their former manners, they fear not the Lord. So you see, they feared God in a carnal sense, but not an obedient sense. It goes on. Neither do they after their statutes or after their ordinances or after the law and commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice them, but the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and stretched out arm, him you shall fear, and him you shall worship, and him you shall do sacrifice. And the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment which wrote unto you, you shall observe to do forevermore, you shall not fear other gods. And the covenant I made with you, you shall not forget, neither shall you fear other gods, but the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Howbeit they did not hearken. But they did after their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord. Sir, the, so again, it says, so these nations feared the Lord. You hear that? They feared God. 
but it wasn't obedient fear because it says, and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so do they unto this day. Fear is just not going to keep you obedient. Fear by itself? Nah. The devils, right? James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. If you don't love him, you're not going to obey him. Why do you think Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments? John 14.15. Because the keeping of commandments just doesn't happen only out of fear. That may be the component of introduction, but it is not the component of continuation. Even when things should bring about fear, it just doesn't do it. When, when God was dealing with Israel, the ten tribes, Jeremiah 3.8 says, I saw where all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, yet her tre treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. God sent them into Assyrian captivity. Judah should have saw that and should have said, whoa, this is what happens. Yeah, they saw it. But that fear by itself, it won't do it. You know what will happen when the love isn't there? When love isn't the motivating factor, those people will say, ask him, he's of age. That person will say, I don't know Jesus. That person will not carry themselves among their brethren in the conduct that they should. Because the fear of man, the immediate consequences, will outweigh the fear of a future judgment. It will. You really need to think about that. If you're counting on being afraid of hell to keep you in a relationship with God, you're counting on something that's not going to do it. It's not going to. You're, you're going you're gonna to walk away. At some point, you're, something else, something more immediate to be, a scared, to be afraid of, a scared, <laughs> to be afraid of is going to happen. And Ecclesiastes 8.11, don't take my word for it, here it is. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is set or fully set in them to do evil. See? Judgment to come isn't enough fear to keep you faithful in the present. I want you to think about this lesson. The fear of man, it will cause you to walk away from God. It certainly will because the consequences are immediately. But if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, that's the Peter that said we ought to obey God rather than men. That's the Peter that was willing to go to prison and the face of death and still stand convicted for the Lord. Peter that, you know, wasn't where he needed to be with the Lord, that's the one that denies. Let your fear turn to love. Love be your motivating factor. So that when man does something that brings about carnal fear, it won't overtake you. I want to give you a few Old Testament references before we wrap up. Psalm 56.11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Look at that. Isn't that real simple? And Psalm 112, seven verses, 
here, Psalm 112, 1-7 says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. His righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright there rises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now, part of that context, we know Old Testament uh, promises uh, to the children of Israel were carnal. The land that they inherited, so forth, so on. We know that the blessings for Christians are those that are in spiritual blessings uh, in, in heaven. When we look at what our Lord, I know I said just a few Old Testament passages, but I think this point needs to be made. And now, and in Christ, the blessings that we have are not earthly, they're not carnal. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The old law was a carnal law, Romans chapter 7. The new law is a spiritual law, Romans chapter 8. The blessings that we have are eternal in the heavens, not on earth. Just had to bring that up. So Proverbs chapter 3 is the next reference, verses 19 through 26. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they shall be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then thou shalt walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou layest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lay down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. How wonderful those passages are. Don't let the world scare you. Don't let man scare you. Eternity is in the balance. Let love be the prevailing motivator in your life. If you've listened to this lesson and you've said, boy, you've given me something to think about. I've got some questions. Am I saved? Or any kind of questions. Call me up. My phone number is 915-525-5794. Call me up. If you can't call me, you can go to www.wordsoftruth.net. You can send me an email from there. My email address is brian, B-R-I-A-N, at wordsoftruth.net. You can see that in the show notes. You know, if you're listening to this, my contact information should be attached uh, to whatever avenue which you're, you're listening reach me. I'll meet you where you are. You tell me your questions. We'll look at the Bible. We'll find the answers. I'll help you how to see the Word of God the way that it will help you to be saved. I thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, I hope you will tune back in on Sunday for our study in First Peter. Until then, thank you so much.